Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast in the week of April 23rd, 2023. It is the third Sunday in Easter, and our lectionary text this week is a story uh, that many of you know, Jesus traveling on the road to Emmaus, and it's a good reminder that during the Easter season, uh, the Christian community in the wake of the resurrection simply embodies this ongoing conversation around what it all means. Uh, The author of Luke tells us that the disciples were in deep conversation going over everything that happened. And maybe it's good for us to uh, remind ourselves uh, that we can be grateful simply to keep this conversation going today. What does it all mean? Uh, Many of you know that this month marks uh, the seventh anniversary uh, for me being at Mission Hills. And my my very first sermon was called Love God, Embrace Beauty, and Live Life to the Fullest which I think uh, obviously that that benediction means a lot to me. And it was an expression of who I was then, where I came from, and what was meaningful to me with respect to um, my Christian perspective. And I think it's safe to say I've changed significantly over the past seven years, but I think I returned to this benediction over and over again as a living spring for renewal. And I think that wherever you are, uh, and my hope is that wherever you are, on your journey, that you can find yourself situated somewhere in this movement, love God, embrace beauty, live life to the fullest. Because frankly, there's no definitive, there's no definitive answer of what this means. And, and that's been a question that uh, people have asked me a lot over the last seven years. Like, what, what we say this every week, what, what does it mean? And I think it can obviously mean a lot of things. It meant something to me 18 years ago. It meant something particularly seven years ago. And so in this podcast, I want to, in the spirit of the road to Emmaus, continue the conversation uh, and tell you maybe what this benediction means to me uh, now, after all these years, and why uh, maybe, just maybe, it could be fresh soil for, um, for your growing gardens. And I think we'll find that all three aspects of the benediction are reciprocal, uh, interdependent. They weave together, hopefully leading us into deeper levels of each over time, each time we say them in a benediction, each time um, we revisit what this might mean for us where we're at. So love God. (laughs) This invitation can seem at first brush too broad, too simplistic, too mired with religious baggage to be of any use. But I think most of you know that I have little interest in defining what is beyond language and image, which makes this first movement a wide open starting line. No belief required. For as long as I can remember, I've been drawn to questions like, what are we all doing here? Who are we? And why do we just talk about football? And I found early on that the church was a place where I could ask questions about the mysteries of existence. In a middle school science class, we watched uh, this Brian Greene documentary on string theory on a big square TV strapped to a rolling cart. And that documentary opened a portal to a universe where there were literally endless possibilities for what we approximate as God, truth, purpose, all of which led to even more questions. I reluctantly went to someone's house for a purpose-driven life book group on Sunday nights. I think 
My mom insisted that it was the polite thing to do since they invited me and spread across the living room floor. Members of that group tried to divinate the signs of the times, giving neat answers and assurances to complex mysteries and unthinkable tragedies. It was like we were already in the car and Jesus was at the wheel. When asked which commandment was most important, Jesus responded, love God with all of your heart, being, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, of course, extends this love command all the way to our enemies. To love God is perhaps simultaneously the most natural and most difficult thing we could ever do in our lives. It's natural and simple because we are already a cosmic expression of God as a unique collection of particles in space manifesting gently and briefly on this planet, in this galaxy, in this universe. To be here is already to recognize with as much wonder as we can muster that we are 14 billion years of the unfolding of this love. Merton would say that the beginning of love is letting the other be who they are. This reminds us that to love is ultimately always to let go and allow ourselves and the world and others to be as they are. Paradoxically, letting go always leads us into the deeper experience of loving ourselves, others, and God. Christians uh, say they accept Jesus into their hearts, but don't trust that Christ actually lives there, leading to near constant enemy creation. Bonhoeffer reminds us that the only way to overcome the enemy is to love, because anything we despise and the other exists in us. The wisdom of transformative and subversive love is rare, and what's probably most essential for us to solve humanitarian and ecological crises. And so to, to love God isn't to think a certain way about a being in the sky, but to tenderly trust in the goodness of the interrelated nature of all things, known and unknown, alongside each other for the well-being and flourishing of life to know that Christ is the very sight of the other. And this movement toward love is our ground of being in the intimate, ordinary of our unfolding expression in the world. So in this, we see, we see beauty in everything. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to learn early on that there's no demarcation between what is considered sacred or secular, pure or impure, uh, but it's another journey to experience the dissolving of many of the cultural biases and binaries that we inherit. Of course, as Rohr would say, everything is Christ-soaked. And so embracing beauty is continually opening ourselves to the experience of the diversity of life. Anthony Bourdain demonstrated this spirit with his life in his show, Parts Unknown, where he went off the beaten path to learn from those embodying living traditions with all of its food, color, culture, aromas, movement, sound. Uh, to embrace beauty is to move about with reverence and wonder for the holy and places we have yet to go, which is almost everywhere in the cosmos. In Acts, Peter has this vision of a giant napkin descending uh, from heaven with all kinds of animals to eat. And when he objects, a voice reminds him to not consider unclean what God has made clean. And I think there's wisdom in recognizing that our dualistic and limited cultural frameworks create boundaries that don't exist within the boundless goodness of God. 
This is especially important in a society that is still passing dehumanizing legislation with a primary religion that refuses to recognize the dignity and belovedness of all people as they are created in the image of God. To embrace beauty, we have to slow down in a world that demands productivity and promises fulfillment with the next purchase. Um, Jesus seemed uninterested in this game, even though he lived pre-capitalism, but he says, don't collect stuff. Don't be obsessed with money. Where your treasure is, so is your heart. Uh, He says things like, you know, instead go outside, look at the wildflowers. Don't fixate on getting, but giving. Give your attention to what God is doing now. That one's from the message. Give your attention to what God is doing now. Embracing beauty is something like letting the natural rhythm of life seep into us little by little so that we can feel what is essential and let go what is not. What is essential? Only now, wherever you may be, needing nothing because you already possess everything. This is the kingdom of God. May it be within you so that you can see it is all around you. Uh, Several years ago, a man named Ananta visited Mission Hills from India, and he said, we close our eyes when we pray because the beauty of God is beyond image and form. He was in town to give a religious presentation at a local university and had some, had some time to burn. So he came into my office on Monday morning, ready for an adventure. And we went out, we ate Mexican food. We went to the Hindu temple in Malibu, then to Pepperdine, and then the beach. Uh, and he hugged trees everywhere he went, just with like giant bear hugs all these trees. Uh, You don't need to be an artist or a poet to embrace beauty, only to see the world infused with its own meaning and magic. And whether you know it or not, you are a theologian, because uh, to be curious about what this all is, to be listening to this podcast, is another way of trying to get at uh, what actually matters. Theologian Paul Tillich calls theology matters of ultimate concern. So you don't need a belief system, a religious doctrine, or a particular theistic conviction to talk about what matters to you. And to me, this is living life to the fullest, like mining the depths of what matters. Living life to the fullest is not about having definitive answers, but being present to the depth of your experience and those around you. Uh, As we've hinted at in the first two movements, I think the more sensitive we are to to the experience of love and beauty, the deeper we're able to serve ourselves, others, and the planet. There's this verse in John 10, Jesus tells a parable and then concludes about living life to the full. Some translations call this eternal life, but full, deep, true, everlasting, eternal, call it what you want. Uh, Caputo insists that religion is for lovers, and I will repeat this line over and over, to live with uh, joy, tenderness, is to know your experience with every sense uh, by being willing to to grow and evolve, make mistakes, develop unlikely friendships, hug a tree, uh, take on new challenges, uh, 
throw out conventions, forgive, uh, sit, and know you're sitting. Uh, living life to the fullest isn't another uh, competition or another burden to accumulate more experiences, more money, more likes, uh, more things in our society of already unending demands. So I want to be clear that living life to the fullest is not another demand. Most of us were taught you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. Um, and capitalism is designed not to deliver on these promises of happiness and wholeness, uh, you know, atop its ladder of more. So to live life to the fullest is to affirm Jesus's uh, first beatitude, blessed are those who are poor. You don't need a particular religious identity to recognize that God, truth, love are fully present in the grace and wholeness of the lowly and outcast right here and right now. Life in its depths is the experience of greater liberation, personal and collective. Its fullness exists now uh, if we are open to uh, the possibility of this experience of love. Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will, will open. There's so many ways that this has been said. Uh, maybe this fullness for you needs to be in silence or uh, a stranger or something old or something new. Um, maybe, maybe you go home, maybe you leave home. Uh, maybe it's making a call or touching something green or tasting something sweet, uh, giving up something that's not serving you. Uh, living life to the fullest simply means there's enough here now. I'm okay here and now, fully in this. And to me, that, that is grace. Accepting we are already accepted. All of these movements uh, in the benediction, all of these movements flow together uh, and send us into deeper experiences of love and beauty in our ever-growing conscious awareness, heart, mind, being. So in short, I think I'll, I'll wrap it there. there in short, there, that's a few reflections on Kyle's benediction that I introduced on my first Sunday at Mission Hills seven years ago and almost 18 years uh, since Kyle's passing. And I hope to continue to honor his life in these words that connect us to what is deeply true in our lives, what's, what's true in your life, uh, what matters to you. Because at the end of the day, that's, that is ultimately what this is about, what matters, uh, matters of ultimate concern. And of course, I will, I will end by reading uh, the final words from his sermon that he was going to uh, give the morning he passed. Kyle writes, Abandon your plans of escape and be where you are. Plant gardens. Live and live well. I don't know what your planting gardens might look like, but let me end by providing a glimpse of what they might be like. Live and live well. Breathe. Breathe in and breathe deeply. Be present. Do not be past. Do not be future. Be now. On a crystal clear, breezy, 75-degree day, roll down the windows and feel the wind against your skin. Feel the warmth of the sun. If you run, then allow those first few breaths on a cool autumn day to freeze your lungs. Do not just be alarmed, be alive. Mm -hmm.
get knee deep in a novel and lose track of time. If you bike, pedal hard. And if you crash, then crash well. Feel the satisfaction of a job well done, a paper well written, a project thoroughly completed, a play well performed. If you must wipe the snot from your three-year-old's nose, do not be disgusted if the Kleenex didn't catch it all because soon he'll be wiping his own. If you've recently experienced loss, then grieve, and grieve well. At the table with friends and family, laugh. If you're eating and laughing at the same time, then you might as well laugh until you puke. And if you eat, then smell. The aromas are not impediments to your day. Steak on the grill, coffee beans freshly ground, cookies in the oven. Taste. Taste every ounce of flavor. Taste every ounce of friendship. Taste every ounce of life, because it is most definitely a gift. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest.